Welcome to Family Stories Podcast, all the way from beautiful Colorado Springs, where stories are told by the people who actually lived them. Real people with real stories. I'm Grandpa Jimmy, your host. Thank you for listening. And today we have a really, really special guest. And if I was going to title this podcast, I would call it 99 and Counting. My guest today is my mother. She has completed 99 years of life. She is living now in her 100th year of life. She lives by herself in her own apartment, fixes her own meals, does everything herself. Now, we don't let her drive anymore, which she probably will argue with me about. Now, Mom, welcome. I'm glad you're here. Yeah, well, thank you. So we don't let you drive anymore, but don't be too mad at me. <laughs> my mother is a wonderful driver, but uh, at 99, might be a little stiff in the legs and so forth. But uh, I drove until I was 94. She drove till she was 94. Now, that's that might even be a record. I'm not sure. Until I broke my hip. And that did it, didn't it? Yes. Okay. So 99 years, you have had seven brothers and sisters, and there's only one that is still living beside you. Is that right? A sister. A sister. And when were you born? What year? December 9, 1920, the last month of the year. So this is 2020. So see, you're in your 100th year of living now. There aren't very many people your age that live like you live. Well, you know, one thing I think, Mom, is that a lot of people, whether they admit it or not, sometimes as we get older, and I myself am 70, but as we get older, we kind of think sometimes that we're useless and people don't care anymore. But you know what I've discovered? People want to hear from somebody who has lived a long life. And you have lived a really long life, and it's been a blessed life. Now, that doesn't mean it's always been easy, has it? No, I've always been healthy. I, I do not have any kind of disease that I know of. I know I've never you. had a disease. Well, and as far as I can tell, you've never complained about health either. It's like you've just sort of believed you're going to stay healthy this whole time. Well, I believe that God took care of my health for me. And I believed in healing from a little girl. Well, speaking of that, you said you believed in healing as a little girl. Well, when did you when did you find out about God or Jesus or any of this kind of stuff? When I was visiting in Indiana with my aunt and uncle who are ministers, I was 12 years old and I was just there for the summer and I accepted Jesus when I was 12. That you know what? That's exactly what you did with me. I remember we were in a Nazarene church I was about 12 years old, and that's when I accepted Jesus. So that was the same I didn't age know that, that did. either. I remember that very well in that little Nazarene church in Greeley, Colorado. So let's go back and talk a little bit about your life. You lived where? Where were you born and raised? In a small town, Elkville, Illinois. It's near Ducoin and Carbondale. Well, you know, one thing, we traveled back there, Mom, uh, when I was very young, and I remember going back there, and this is people are going to get a kick out of this. If I remember right, on the porch, in the backyard, on the back porch, for baths, it was like there was a horse trough, and the kids shared the bath. Am I right about that, when you guys were little? 
No, actually, uh, my mother heated water, and we had a big, a big tub. Was it on the porch, or was there a bathroom? We didn't have a bathroom then. I didn't at think first. so. <laughs> at first, we didn't have. But later, in years, then my dad had a bath. But in the 1920s, a lot of people were like that. A lot of people had outhouses and things. In Illinois, there were a lot of people that didn't have bathrooms. So uh, you grew up there, went to high school there. That's right. And then what happened? Well, I worked in homes uh, a little bit, you know, helping uh, people. And then not all that long until I moved to, I was invited to come to my aunt's to live. And I I did that shortly after high school. Well, you know, here's something that I found very interesting. Of course, you told me this many years ago. But uh, you were a very young lady living with your aunt there, like 20 or 21 years old. And then World War II broke out. You know how many people listened to this that weren't even anywhere near being alive at World War II or even in the Vietnam era? It was at least... December the 7th, wasn't it? It happened. That was uh, when Pearl Harbor was attacked, December 7th, 1941. That's right. When when Pearl Harbor was attacked, what was it like living at that moment in time? Well, I had came out of a theater from looking at a movie, and every, there were newspaper people there saying, extra, extra, read all about it. Pearl Harbor bombed. When that happened as I walked out of the theater, and short, shortly after that, I thought, you know, some months or so, and I thought, you know, I think maybe I should go to St. Louis. I could get a job there and move to St. Louis, which I did. And what did you do there? I worked at Carter Carburetor, where they make carburetors for automobiles. So the, you, were like, you were like a lot of women. Once World War II got rolling, it was the women who were doing the work because the men were all going off to war. That's right. There were a lot of women. Let me give a little context for people that are listening, just uh, especially for for younger people who who don't even recognize a lot of these names. Uh, You were actually born when Thomas Woodrow Wilson was president. And then you were a young lady when uh, uh, Harding was president, teenager when Calvin Coolidge was president, and then, of course, Herbert Hoover Sometime in there, and then Roosevelt was president in oh, World War Roosevelt. II. Roosevelt. So you have been alive for, let's see, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. You have been alive for 16 presidents, counting uh, our current president as 17 presidents. That's a long time, Mom. So uh, you are working on carburetors, doing that kind of thing, just like so many women who were working during World War II to, to get our country up to speed for war. Then what did you decide to do? Well, the first thing that uh, I learned about was the Women's Army Auxiliary Corps. And I thought, oh, I would like to join that while, while I was in St. Louis. And I did. I joined it, I think, in January of that year in 41, I guess it was, and was there six months in the military and trained in Des Moines, Iowa. So you were, you were actually considered a military person. A vet, I, you would be considered a veteran. Well, I, I think so. I really wanted to make a career of it. Did you really? Yes, I did. You know, 
this is really interesting. Do this little interview, Mom. You're telling me stuff I never knew before. I didn't know you wanted to be a career military person. Yes, I did. I wanted to. Uh, I had already signed up. I wanted to go to uh, Europe and work in the hospitals for the wounded men who got hurt in the war. Really? Yeah. I so did. Uh, what happened then? Well, I met this young man <laughs> my age. <laughs> Would that have been my father? Yes, it's your father. Okay, all right. We we really just hit it off, you know, really good. And uh, he said, "Well, why why should you uh, go to uh, overseas?" He says, well, uh, "You have this two weeks to make up your mind if you want to sign up to go over there." And uh, so he says, "Why don't we just get married?" And I said, "What?" <laughs> the last thing in the world I was thinking about. Now, how long did you know each other at that time? <laughs> well, I only knew him two months and two days. Before you got married? Yes, and I knew his mother when she came to visit, and I knew a lot about the Erdl family. So I thought, I don't know if I should do this or not. And I went home back to the barracks and I actually prayed. I said, God, I don't know what to do about this because I do care for him, but I just don't know if I should do this or not. I actually was crying about it. <laughs> <laughs> and so the next morning when I awakened, it was like, it's okay. Go ahead and do it. And I thought, okay, that's my message from God. So uh, you do believe that God actually put you two together then, don't Yes, you? I do. And he probably did. And I'm, he I'm did. I'm pretty sure of that. Because the Erdl family was a very wonderful family, and I met the mother, and I just knew that it was okay. And it was. Well, My good. sister married one of the brothers. And so my dad was in uh, the military as well, wasn't he? He was in the air aviation side of that. Yes, he was. Army Air Corps. Uh -huh. Yeah, I think he said he was uh, did some things with B-17 bombers and things like that. That's right. And that's when I first learned about B-17s, and I love to paint blue. Oh, yeah, we got to tell everybody that. My mom has become a painter I love here. to paint the B-17s. And she has painted probably a half a dozen pictures of different World War II airplanes for me. So you were married, and of course, you and Dad had a couple of kids. Uh, my older sister and myself. Yes. And, uh, we're two years apart, and uh, we're not kids anymore. I'm 70, so I guess they can figure out my older sister's age if they want to. <laughs> we never had any uh, any children until I was um, 27 for Patricia, uh -huh. and 29 when you were born. Uh, things weren't perfect in life, were they? Nope. Not at all. How long were you married before Dad? I think about twenty-seven years. But in, in the meantime, we had been—I married him twice. Now that people are going to want to know that, how in the world did you marry him twice? Well, we when the kids, when my daughter was my daughter and son, they were five and seven. That would be me. I was the five-year-old. My sister was seven. We had a terrible disagreement about an affair on his part. And I packed my suitcase and the kids, and we went to um, California to live for one year, a little over a year. 
Now, wasn't this with the aunt and the uncle where you went when you were 12 years old and got no. saved? Yes, they were, they had moved to California, and uh-huh. I went there, um, well, when they were five and seven. You remember it well, don't well, you? Well, I, I don't remember it probably as much as Patty does, but I do remember going to California and playing in the ocean with my cousins. That yes. I do remember. Yeah. We were gone a year, a little over a year, and not any contact at all with your dad. Not really. So how did the second marriage? So we... Um, whatever he was doing, I don't even go, want to go into detail. Oh yeah, those was details absolutely not acceptable. So it fell apart what he was doing with another woman, and then he did not have anyone because we were in California. He had no one, and he was making a lot of mistakes on the job. And so his boss told him, "You need to get yourself straightened out and go down and." See your wife and kids and get your life straightened out. He's always the boss told him that. Really? Yes, he did. See, there's another thing I didn't know about this story. <laughs> well, I'm sure that's the way it went. He, I, and then he started calling me in California. I said, now, if you mean business, you'll come down here and you'll talk to us. So did he go to California? Yes, he did. My uncle, we had been divorced Two months. That's all it was. And I didn't even, I, and so my uh, my Uncle Murray married us. You know, it's really interesting, Ma. I never knew that. I mean, I knew we were out in California. I knew Dad wasn't there, but I had no idea. Just as a little boy, I had no idea what was going on. Patty, on the other hand, had a little bit more clear picture because she was a couple of years older than I was. Not a whole lot, though. So uh, you guys moved back, what, to Salt Lake at that time? And so my Uncle married us. We moved back to Colorado. One of the things I remember, Mom, uh, during those years of living in uh, Lamar, Colorado, and even Greeley, Colorado, Dad was really good to me. And, you know, he would take me hunting and fishing and all those kinds of things. And I always thought my dad was great. I mean, I didn't know anything about him except he was just a neat guy. I mean, he was my dad. I loved him. And Well, that's and we, the way I wanted it, yes. Yeah, and I think that's that's the way it was. And then we uh, we moved once more and went back to Greeley, Colorado. And by that time, you know, we were in junior high and high school. I'm kind of going through a couple of these years, but those are just uh, basically life years of living and houses yeah. and cars and school and the things that families do. And then when I was over in Vietnam, I went over in Vietnam when I was 20 years old, served in the Navy in the river patrol boats and helicopters over there. And I got a letter from Dad. And the letter said that uh, time comes when people have to separate. I just thought it was so strange the way that he said that. So tell me, uh, at that at that point, you were about 49 years old, I think. I was 20 or 20. Was that the second divorce right there? Yes, at 49, yes. For, uh, both of us are 40. And so then you he, he left you again, uh, unfortunately, for another woman, didn't he? Because she promised him... She had money. I might as well sell it like it is. Yeah. She had enough money from selling her house, and he met, met up with her, and she helped him buy an airplane, which he wanted me to do, and I knew we couldn't afford it. <laughs> well, there's so, always things that come into play, and I do remember part of that. I remember my dad did buy an airplane. When I got back from Vietnam, he did have a little airplane. Uh, I do remember that. I don't know what was behind it all. And but. I did not mind flying, but I didn't like dinky little airplanes. Well, I don't blame you. 
So anyway, you were divorced at about 50 years old, and now you're on your own. And so that has been, uh, let's see, that has been 49 years ago. Oh, yeah. So living by yourself for 49 years, how did you manage that? I mean, I know we weren't, we were always lived fairly close together so that, you know, we could maybe help you a little from time to time if you needed something like your house painted or your car fixed. Mm-hmm. But you basically lived your own life. Yes, and I didn't realize the pressure I was under until I was single. We I had a lot of pressure during the whole marriage. This man had two personalities. He did. He had, he had two personalities. He could be so sweet, kind, and good to the family. And then when this other person kicked in in him, I, it was very, very hard to live with him. You, you know, and when you got divorced, it wasn't like it is today. Today, people seem to uh, get divorced with a change of clothes. I mean, it, it, it just doesn't take much of a reason for someone to want to get separated. But in your day, 50 years ago, being separated was no small thing. And the reason I married him the second time is because I had two little kids, five and seven, and I thought they need their dad. So it's my place to go back, to go back to him and be a family. Well, that was my decision. I prayed about it, and that was my decision. Well, I'm glad you did, because during those years when we were growing up, from my perspective, as I said before, Dad was a good dad. He could be good when he wanted to. Just like, we, you know, a lot of people have two sides, don't they, Mom? That's right. And we all have a flesh, and we all have a spirit, and sometimes we're running with the wrong one. And uh, I'm not defending him one iota at all, but uh, I, I understand that. So for 50 years, you've lived by yourself, you've taken care of yourself, and you worked up until what age? 83 and a half. 83 and a half, you were working? Well, t- yes. tell me a little bit about that. Now, when you were in Greeley, you worked in a hospital, is that right? That's right. I went to the hospital and applied as, you know, I was being a nurse's aide, I suppose you'd call it then. But then I trained for a whole year, and then my head nurse asked me if I would like to work in recovery room, and I said yes. So they trained me to work in recovery room, and I was there 20 years were you in really recovery there? room, and I loved it. You were actually doing that 20 years? Yes, and then later, um, when Jim and Shirley moved to California, I went too, and then I worked in the homes Mm-hmm. doing nursing, taking care of different people, couples and persons, private people. Okay, just so people know, I'm Jim. My wife is Shirley. Yeah. So we were the couple that, you know, your son and daughter-in-law, we moved to California, and you went with us out there. That's how you ended up out in California. Yes. And so then once you got there, you went to work on in-home care, correct? That's right. And you were about, I think by then you were probably about 65. Uh, somewhere yeah, that... somewhere when we moved, it was 65, somewhere around, or 64, 65. And then you worked the entire time you were there. Yes, I did. And I enjoyed every day I went to work. Well, you you took care of some pretty wonderful people, too, I know. You used to tell me stories about And them. I just loved them. I and they you, love me. You but. should tell me how sweet she was in taking care of that couple. Yeah. So then, in about uh, oh, 2004 or so, 
Shona and I uh, were coming back to Colorado because we wanted to retire back here, and you came back out here with us, and that's how we ended up back in Colorado Springs. That's right. And you've lived uh, here on your own that entire time. Uh, with a couple little things, the, the main thing was breaking a hip. It was... Oh, yes, that was five years ago in December, this past December. That kind of changed things a little bit, but actually, uh, even through that, and then when you had to have that, that hip redone, I remember like two years ago. Yes. Uh, you're actually getting around pretty good. Uh, I walk um, fairly well, but nothing like what I used to do. I used to walk a lot. But I don't. I can't do that now. But I walk when I go out. I have to. I take my cane with me, of course. Okay, here's a question for you. You're 99 years old. You're in relatively good health. You're healthier than 99 percent of the people that are anywhere near your age. Yes, but, I am. But here's here's the thing. What would you attribute all of your good health to? Well. I have always believed, I think from a little girl when I went to Sunday school, that Jesus healed people. And that that never did go away in my mind. And then as I kept on believing in God and Jesus, and and I actually would pray to pray to him. I, I mean, maybe not a lot when I was young, but I did. And I always believed that God was a healer and Jesus was a healer too, you know. So instead of running to doctors, you would pray? Is that what you would do? I'd say the majority of the time, yes, unless I was in a lot of pain, like wrecking your hip. You, you're you in a lot of pain and you don't have a choice and you need to be put back together. Well, yeah, that's true. That's, I've broken my arm. I can't imagine that not having been put in a cast. So, uh, yeah, when things like that happen, now you that happened, have to have something I had, to... And the second time around, I had I really hurt myself. Uh, I didn't fall in anything, but it, for some reason, it just happened. <laughs> I remember that. It just, when they, when they, and had, had, up, the, the joint uh, got soft and it got painful and they had to actually and, put it in. And I, I couldn't walk on it. And so I just fell on the bed and I thought, well, I guess I better have somebody take me to the hospital and get this thing take, taken care of. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you this, Mom. If you were just wanting to, I don't know if we'd call it a give advice, but if you're wanting to communicate something from your heart to people, what would you say are the two or three most important things in life? Now, you know, when people get older, they look back, and the only things that matter are those things that are real. What would you say to somebody about what's really important in life? The most important thing in life is to know God and Jesus Christ. Because that's the only guideline I ever went by. Well, I understand that. And I had, I needed a lot of help. And that, that's what kept me going every day is to know that God cared about me and loved me. And, so that, that would be the number one thing is a relationship with Jesus. And, and also that God heals people today, yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He will heal people. And I have caught on to that and kept it in, in my mind, and, and I've been healthy. I know you've always fought for your health, and by that I mean spiritually over all the years as I've talked to you, you've always, anytime something comes up, you don't go to the doctor, you don't ask for some medicine to make it better, you just pray. I mean, you have done that for as long as I can remember. I have gone to the doctor very little in my life. 
Except when I broke my hip, that was necessary to be put back together. I remember that. That was a very painful thing, especially the second one. I remember going to the hospital with you and how much pain you were in. So uh, that's not something you can just uh, forget. It it, uh, it will keep you wide awake. <laughs> I, I don't want to get there again. <laughs> I, I understand that. If you were talking to somebody that's young, and you've already said the number one thing is relationship with Jesus, do you have any other thoughts for young people, what you would like to say to them? Well, uh, I listen to the television a lot, good programs and bad, too. And I realize that our nation and Washington, D.C. need God so bad. And if we don't consider God and Jesus, the country will not survive. And I am praying that it will survive. Uh, you've watched presidents all the way from, as we said, clear back past World War II, Roosevelt and those yes, people. Yes, Roosevelt. And you've seen America progress uh, along over a hundred, you know, almost 100 years. You've seen America progress. Now, I don't want to get into anything political. I don't want to get into a big debate about Republicans and Democrats and who does this and who does that. I don't want us to talk about that. But, but just in a very general statement, uh, what would you say American... Well, America has fallen down because they do not, most, I'd say a lot, many, many people are not paying attention to God in, and Jesus in their life at all. It is um, a dangerous what's happening in, in America today. It uh, is, because they are not, people are not, and even the churches are not asking God for help. They're just not doing it. Well, you know, it's interesting. After World War II was over and you came back, it was a different world. I mean, people really were seeking the Lord back then. Yes, they were probably a lot more because there wasn't as much turmoil as there is now. The turmoil is very great. Well, anyway, you've given a lot about your life and and about what's important in life, Mom, and it's obvious. And so uh, just as you said, your relationship with God and family's important, isn't it? Even oh, absolutely. Didn't... I love all of my great-grandchildren. Can you count them? Do you know how many? You I have? have 11 great-grandchildren, four grandchildren, and I love every one of them, and they all seem to be successful in life. Well, you know, here's a couple little things that uh, are interesting to me. As I've talked to you, you know, throughout our lives, Mom, one thing I found out is that, now, weren't you the first believer, the first person to accept Jesus? Yes, I think so. And my brother, as brothers and sisters, when there's any kind of um, um, happening, would always call me and talk to me. So here's, here's the thing that I've told several people. Here you started... You were the first one. You were the oldest of eight children. That's right. And because of you, your mother, your father, your brothers, your sisters, your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, as far as I know, every single one of them believes in Jesus, and they're all saved. That's right. You're going to be in heaven before too long, (laughs) one way or another. One way or another. And what a legacy you have. I mean, it's going to be well done good and faithful servant when you see Jesus. I have seen my whole family in progress of living, and I would say most of them, I would say almost 99.5% have been excellent in in life. They've done well, done very well. Isn't that wonderful? It is. There's nothing real, real serious. I mean, 
There's the bumps in the road. <laughs> That's wonderful. Well, Mom, I you know, I've learned some things talking to you today that I didn't know before. You always seem to have surprises. I have for a us. lot of surprises for you. <laughs> you just haven't asked me. Well, thank you for being part of this show today. And not only is this going to go out for people to hear from someone who's lived a long life, but, you know, Shoy and I and my sister are going to keep this, and we'll have it for a long time. We'll always have this recording of you and your life, which is absolutely wonderful. So for those of you who are listening, I want to thank you for listening and tell you this. You, too, have a story, and it's probably better than you think. So if you'd like to tell it, I would like to hear it, and I'll bet there are a lot of other people who would too. You never know. Your story might be the one that changes somebody's life. So you can contact me at mygrandpajimmy.com on our website there, or you can go to uh, uh, mygrandpajimmy at gmail.com and give us an email, and I'd love to talk to you and tell your story. So thank you again for listening.